their struggles. To destroy the church, Satan would go after the priesthood, because Jesus founds the church on priests, twelve men, for better or for worse. He doesn't found the church on the Eucharist, he doesn't found it on the, on the Mass, he doesn't found it on parishes or on the laity, he founds it on these twelve very flawed men. So if Satan can destroy the priesthood, he destroys the church, he destroys the gospel, we're all damned. To destroy the human race, he targets husbands and wives. If he can destroy marriage, he destroys humanity. Which gets to this, spiritual warfare. Normally we don't think in terms of spiritual warfare. We just think of our little humdrum lives, whatever they might be. We don't really recognize that Satan is in our bedroom. We don't recognize that he's in the car, that he's in our lives. He's playing with the children as they play on the carpet or as they go off to school or whatever. Yeah, he's around. Just as God has given us a guardian angel, so too has Satan assigned a demon to every child ever born. Unfortunately, and it is very unfortunate, but we're all caught up in this spiritual warfare. A war for our souls. God wants us for heaven and eternity, and Satan wants us for hell and damnation for eternity. And so, when Adam and Eve are created and Satan is watching their creation, he's figuring out his next move. If this is how God is going to create the human race, the procreation of humans from humans then all i got to do is break it. And then God will stop being able to make humans. In heaven, God just snapped his fingers and there were multitudes of angels. But on earth, God has decided to create this group of intelligent beings with free will over the long arc of something called time that will eventually end through something called marriage. And so when Satan saw Adam put to sleep and God take the rib out of Adam, and create Eve with it, he knew, okay, I'm going to go after these two. God is putting them together, and I'll tear them apart, and that will destroy God's plan. And so he has. He seduces Eve to try the fruit. She gives it off to Adam, and Adam blames her for his sin. He's just rubbing his hands. It's working just like I planned, just like I planned. Marriage is God's master plan for the human race. One, for procreation, as I've said, because without marriage, there are no children. Are there children, but they're all messed up. They're all messed up, and then they don't reproduce because they didn't know what marriage was, and so they don't get into marriage. And we all know the statistics on children who are raised out of wedlock, that they're just much more likely to have delinquent behavior, much more likely to get in trouble with the law, much less likely to successfully marry themselves, etc., etc. Go to the prisons, and it's something like 75% of the men in prison were raised without a father. This is math. This is one plus two equals this. Want to destroy humanity, destroy marriage. Scare people away from it. And so the enemy introduces things, pornography and contraception and materialism, to prevent, to destroy marriage, and to get parents to just not have children right now. Well, we'll have a child once we save up enough money to buy a house, or we'll have a child once we've paid off our college debts, or we'll have a child once we've paid off this car. What the heck? 
A century or two ago, there were no cars. There was no college education and loans to pay off. People didn't have money. They just had a row of carrots and a pig and a milk cow. And there was no money. And yet they were having children. We've got money coming out of our ears. It's just everywhere. It's, it's just play money. And we think we don't have enough to have children. We're the wealthiest generation the world has ever seen. And we're also the most selfish generation the world has ever seen. This, this generation is more equipped to have a dozen children per woman than any generation in the history of the world. And we're not even having two per woman. The United States has not had a replacement level of children in 13 years. We say, oh, that's okay because of immigration. Believe me, it's all breaking down. It's all breaking down. But the survival of the species and procreation is only one reason for matrimony. And the second is this, for the good of the spouses. That when God had created Eve for Adam, he could see something good had happened. He could see that something was still missing from Adam. And he had always in his mind envisioned Eve because he had made Adam male. He gave Adam a gender. The angels don't have gender. They're not male or female. But human beings are. So when he had created Adam out of the dirt of the earth, he gave him a gender, meaning that another one must be coming to complete it. And another one would come right out of his side. So the two are one. The two have the same DNA. They are this in God's mind. This And in this, Adam says, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, I am whole. Marriage is for the procreation of children and the goodness of the spouses. And by goodness, we mean holiness. Now, it would be wonderful if every marriage was eternally, everlastingly happy. Just always happy. Oh, another married day. Awesome. And that might last for, I don't know, minutes. I don't know how long that lasts. (laughs) But no, marriage is for holiness. And that means there's going to be a cross and there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be suffering because without that, we don't grow. If If we're just, you know, some, I don't know, emperor sitting on a throne with a harem of women around us and and fed the delights of our kingdom and, you know, whatever, we never grow. We're just just six-year-old emperors is all we are. But because there is sacrifice, there is suffering, there is compromise, there is having to constantly adjust and grow, there's growth and there's a potential for holiness there. And that's what God was seeking in Adam and Eve, was that Adam will help Eve and Eve will help Adam to become better human beings. And anyone who's had children can say, those children help me to be a better human being. They get me up in the morning because i got to get up in the morning because the kids are up in the morning. They make me make all kinds of sacrifices, etc. They make me grow. And in order to, to take care of them, i got to grow. i got to be responsible. i got to make sacrifice. i got to suffer for these guys. And when I see them suffer, I suffer. And this, this is holiness. This is holiness. So what God has in mind when he sees Adam and Eve is he sees more than the Garden of Eden. 
Adam and Eve, who both lived to be 800-something years old. And they literally lived to be 800-something years old. You go, oh no, that's Old Testament hyperbole, BS. God is infinitely powerful. He can do anything He wants. He can make you and I live for thousands of years on earth if that's what He wants to do. He just doesn't do anything evil. But He had Adam and Eve live for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years with each other in abject poverty, living in the dirt, making their livelihood through the dirt, with very simple shelter, having hundreds of children. Women, God gave you thousands and thousands of eggs. Very few will ever be used. But there they were. And when God had made them, we think, oh, I guess he made them for Eden, or he made them for whatever, but no, he made them for eternal life. Eternal life. And that's where this holiness thing comes in. He was going to help Adam and Eve grow to become like the angels. For they certainly weren't after the fall. But they would learn through trial and error, through sacrifice and compromise, through the ups and downs of life together, to become ever holier and better people. And that they might live one day in eternity in the kingdom of heaven with God. And that's why he gave them the gift of marriage. And that's why he gives us the gift of marriage. And it's hard. So if we can remove from our mind the concept of happiness in marriage, be like a priest. Why did you become a priest? To be happy. No, that's not why guys become priests. I became a priest to be celibate and to, and to live alone and to never have a wife or children or whatever and to be complained about all the time and uh, to live in poverty or be obedient to a, a bishop that I disagree with whatever his policy on whatever sort of thing. And I get yanked around and thrown here and there and whatever. Come to the end of my life all alone. That's, guys don't become priests to be happy. They become priests to be holy and to give life and to lay down their lives for their flocks. And that's why you get married, is to be holy, is to be holy. And it would be nice if you were happy all the time, but that's not realistic. But to use this difficult, this at times challenging arrangement to grow in holiness... So your spouse isn't what you want them to be. Well, let them be your whetstone then. You're, you're the iron ore that gets applied to the whetstone. Sparks start flying. And you just work it for years and years until you're the shiny, beautiful sword. That's what the spouse is. is the whetstone. They're helping me. If I'll do this without complaining, if I'll do this and surrender, if I'll understand that it's about eternal life, me getting to heaven and me getting them to heaven and us getting those kids to heaven. That's what it's about. The procreation of the human race and the salvation of souls, the sanctification of souls. That's what marriage is about. So Jesus has asked, hey, who can get divorced? And he's saying that's the wrong way to look at it. From the beginning when I and the Father and the Holy Spirit created Adam and Eve... It was always for life. This life. Jesus says, it'll end in this life. When we get to heaven, there'll be no more marriage. You will not be married to the person you're married to now. 
if you were never married, it's okay. You get to heaven. You'll still be never married. But you won't, it won't bother you anymore. In heaven, it's all God. God is an infinity. And when we're there, it's all about God. God is our all in all, our rapture. So, know what marriage is, what it isn't. Talk to your kids, talk to your grandkids about what it is, what it isn't. Encourage people to get married. Encourage people to stay married. Fight, suffer, sacrifice, die for your spouse. Just what Jesus did for us. Fight, sacrifice, suffer, died for you and me. That's what we do for our spouse. We do that for our spouse. Believe me, not only will we get to heaven, even against their will, we might get them to heaven. We'll certainly model for others how to get to heaven. We'll change the world. And we'll crush that serpent who betrayed us in the beginning.